Before we begin our lesson on prayer tonight, I'd like to choose somebody to pray for us. So that was a test. That was more, I see you, I was going to choose somebody to pray. So when I asked that question, how did your heart respond? Who, me? No. Me? Was it a fear of being chosen? Was it Caleb, where he's like, I'll do it? (laughs) Was there insecurity? Sam. Maybe not about praying, but maybe insecurity about what will others think of me when I do pray? Was there indifference? Whatever. Or are, or were you already going to, or were you like me and you're already going through what you might say if you're called upon? When it comes to prayer, many of us simply just don't know what to do with it. Good. I hate technology. Many of us just don't know what to do with it. Corey Tenboom has a great quote concerning prayer. It's your first fill in the blank tonight. She said this. Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? And for many, I think we use it as a spare tire. And even for others, I think we tend to leave that spare tire in the garage where it isn't much use at all even when we need it. But Jesus doesn't just command us to pray. He expects us to pray. Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray, Matthew 6, 9. Pray like this. The assumption is that you're going to pray. So before we begin, would anyone, and I'll have Caleb, pray for us. And Caleb, I ask that when you pray for us, Caleb, that we would Take to heart what we hear and be able to apply it this week. Like hopefully many of you applied our lesson on Bible reading last week. So dive in with this, Caleb. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the day that you've given us, to, that you set aside for us, that we can worship you and we can learn about you. Um, I pray that you would give us ears to listen to AJ's message. Um, I pray that you would uh, keep us distraction-free. And I pray that um, you would teach us about prayer and what I'm doing right now. Um, so I thank you for this day and I pray for all these people that are in here and how uh, blessed we are to have a life on earth. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Luke 18 if you got your Bibles. Luke 18. If you don't, there should be one around you. Jump to it. Um, our series on who it is to be Christ's community, we've gotten to the point where we've talked about kind of the outside stuff. But now we've gotten into the spiritual disciplines point. So last week we, just, we talked about Bible intake. This week we're talking about prayer. Next week we're covering fasting. Surprise, surprise, as we fast. Um, so Matthew 18 is a passage on prayer. Not Matthew 18, Luke 18, I apologize. Luke 18, Luke 18. Um, and Jesus teaches a parable on prayer. And I'd like us to look at that today. Um, would anyone like to volunteer to read? Awesome, Amanda, go for it. Um, One through eight, Luke 18, one through eight. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. 
And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Excellent. First, recognize that again, it's your next fill in the blank, I believe, that it is assumed that prayer will happen. It is assumed that prayer will happen. But as I counsel many of you, many of you readily admit that this is probably the weakest area of your spiritual walk. Your time in prayer is quickly relayed as the food gets colder on your plate or in response to a fearful moment in your day. You get that grade back from Spanish and you're like, dear God, please have my parents not kill me. But it isn't something that's thought about. And I'm not saying that that stuff shouldn't happen, that you shouldn't pray over a meal and you shouldn't pray for salvation from your parents after you get a bad grade. I am saying, though, it might very much take the works of God to keep you um, in the extent of prayer uh, past that period of time. I say this, though, with the, the I say it's assumed that you're going to pray with the hope that I'm not guilting you. Um, we can all do this better. Even the late Billy Graham, when asked towards the end of his ministry, what would he have done more, responded with, I would have spent more time praying. But I come to bring you hope in this, not guilt. And this is your next film, The Blank. And this should bring you hope. Prayer is a learned discipline. Prayer is a learned discipline. Yes, it is also also natural, just as a baby cries when in need, but your prayers will grow up just like a baby's cries will. Prayer is a learned discipline. So what are some ways you can become more disciplined in this discipline? Number one, same as last week, work it into your day. That's your next fill in the blank. Work it into your day. Just like we discussed how to work Bible reading into your day, plan a time that you will pray. Set aside a few minutes. Will it take up part of your day? You bet. Prayer takes up part of your day. But I love the Paul Miller quote, and it's your next film of the blank. Learning to pray doesn't offer us a less busy life, but it does offer us a less busy heart. Learning to pray does not, doesn't offer us a less busy life, but it offers us a less busy heart. For those of you that go to public school, I suggest praying before you get out of the car in the morning or before you close your locker, before you head off to class. For those of you at home, find a natural rhythm to where it becomes, this is what I do at this point. If you look at the passage in Luke 18, verse 5 and 6, make it clear that this woman kept coming to the judge throughout the day. Make it part of your rhythm. And it will give you peace. Now, some of you are sick of me talking about rhythm, but I'm going to be talking about rhythm as long as you're with me. Okay? Second, second, 
Pair it with your Bible study. It's the next fill in the blank. Pair it with your Bible study. We talked about this last week. And the beauty of these spiritual disciplines is that they all go together. They're not like separate from one another. It's just doing these better and fuller. Um, When we talked about scripture meditation and transformation group last week, one of the ways to meditate on scripture was to pray the scriptures. I know in our group, Mia talked about how she did that. Donald Whitney says this, meditation is the missing link between Bible intake and prayer. Many times we open our Bibles and then try to shift gears into prayer after we close it. I don't know if some of you do that. You're like, okay, I got my Bible reading done. Dear God. And it's like, some of you have tried to drive a manual before and it might not have worked out, but it's like that rough gear shift, right? But it can work seamlessly within within your Bible reading. And I want you to do that. Keep the Bible open. Meditate on what stood out to you the most and lift it up in prayer before your Father. Okay, I know I'm saying this, so I'm going to give you some tangible examples. What would it look like? So let's take a few passages and I'll just show you. If prayer is learned, then maybe you should watch me do it and learn from it. Okay, so this is from your time in Scripture last week when we talked about Scripture meditation. Psalm 100, 1 through 3. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. If I were to pray that verse after I read it, or look over it and meditate on it, it would go something like this. God, I know that you're God. You made me. I'm one of your people. But I can be as dumb as a sheep. Help me cling to the shepherd. May I serve you today? Again, I think people miss this too, especially your age. They think, well, if I'm going to be praying, it needs to be a long, exhaustive prayer of a Benedictine monk. No. Okay? Those guys are like prayer warriors, yes. But I'm saying it does not have to be long and drawn out. It can be a simple sentence, two, three. Is extended times in prayer beautiful and great for your soul and help you find rest? Yep. But that will come as you learn how to ride your bike, as you learn the discipline of prayer. As Stephen learns how to ride his bike, when we take the training wheels off, he's going to stumble. He's going to get, you know, a couple feet and then fall, right? And it'll only be after he learns and learns and learns that he learns how to pedal long distances. And for those of you that prayer is not part of your spiritual walk and discipline, it will take time. And that's okay. That's okay. So sometimes it's just looking at the scripture and responding. Here's another one. What about 1 John 5, 13 and 15? This is what 1 John 5, 13 and 15 says. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that have been asked of him. This is how you might pray. Lord, I believe in your name. I know that it is in you alone I have eternal life. And because of this, I should have confidence to come before you. But today I don't. It's been a hard morning and my feelings betray me. But I ask for joy. I ask for peace. 
I ask to be an effective witness to the world. I ask that you would give me patience with my siblings and teachers, and even more than patience, the ability to love them. I remember praying pretty much that exact prayer many mornings, get out and out of the car at high school. Our school started at 7.20 in the mornings. We were there at 6.45 a.m. Lord Jesus, help me wake up. I hate my first period teacher, and I hate my third period teacher. Lord, let me not just have patience with them, but be able to love them. Because they were hard. Right? Or my brother was late again to leave because I'm driving him to school. Lord Jesus, help me love David well. I'm going to wring his neck. I don't want to be in that traffic. It was a natural part of my rhythm. So some of you are saying, okay, well, those are both verses on prayer. What about the hard ones? What about the passages of Scripture you read and you're like, that has nothing to do with prayer. Let's go to my one of my favorite passages in Scripture, not because it's deep, but because it's absurd. 2 Kings 2, 23 and 25. He, Elisha, went up from there to Bethel. And while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. They were essentially called him Baldy, right? And he turned around, and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. From there he went to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. It's Carmel. I say it, Carmel. I apologize. It's one of the most absurd passages in the scripture, right? Baldy. Bears, rawr, like, oh, oh Lord, how am I going to pray this one? Um, Lord, help me not be bald. I mean, this is a hard one, right? And the beauty of the Bible and the beauty of reading Scripture is that you probably will not just read those three verses. But let's just say for the sake of the day, it's been a long morning, you only got... Three verses you can fit in before someone calls, and you got to pray, and that just happens to be the verses you read. You could say something like this. You could pray that you wouldn't judge people by their appearance that day, and that your actions wouldn't curse others, but your actions would bring them blessing. Look, I know, I promise you, this is a simple exercise, at least it looks simple, but it becomes very easy as you incorporate this into your Bible reading. And I hope that many of you do. This should be paired together. We talk about this on Thursday nights. If the Bible is living and active, if that is our assumption, then when we bring our words and reflect the words of God to the Father, then he hears those. And he's willing to hear our pleas. Okay? Um, Well, AJ, I can barely put together a coherent sentence. So how do I pray? Okay, And this is your next fill in the blank. Use the prayers that have been given to you in Scripture. Use the prayers that have been given to you in Scripture. Or by other wise men and women. There is no harm in using the words of others. Many times it helps us put together what our heart wants to say when we feel so incapable of it. There is literally books of common prayer, right? Like, there are time, there are whole sections in the Christian bookstore called the prayer section. If you aren't comfortable lifting up your own words before the Lord, find somebody else's words to do it. 
God doesn't look down on you and like, you know, you're a lot less holy. Like he doesn't do that. He's not keeping points. It should give you hope. So what are some prayers in the Bible? You all know this one. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or here is the prayer of St. Augustine for seeking out God, his, his confessions. I, it's so good. That book is so good, especially for young men. And this is his prayer. O oh Lord my God, I believe in you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, insofar as I can, insofar as you have given me the power, I have sought you. But I have become weary and labored. O Lord, my God, my sole hope, help me to believe and never cease seeking you. Grant that I may always be ardently and ardently seek out your continence. Give me the strength to seek you, for you help me to find you. And you have more and more given me the hope of finding you. Here I am before you. With my firmness and my infirmity, preserve the first and heal the second. Here I am before you with my strength and my ignorance. Where you have opened the door to me, welcome me at the entrance. And where you have closed the door to me, open to my cry. Enable me to remember you, to understand you, and to love you. Amen. I wish I was a wordsmith, but I'm not. And so sometimes these men and women... Say the words that I wish my heart could say. It's not a cop-out to use those. The last thing I want you to pull from the passage on Luke 18 is the passion behind the woman's prayer. I could literally spend a whole talk on this. I won't. Is The reason she came back over and over again is because she knew she could not accomplish it on her own. So third... This is your next fill in the blank. Stretch out your prayers beyond your own reach. Stretch out your prayers beyond your own reach. I have a family member who prayed earnestly for a child, but they could not get pregnant. There are problems with the biology of one of the spouses, but they prayed and prayed. So they set out to adopt after the Lord had put adoption on their heart, which honestly wasn't hard for them. Because they already had assumed to adopt later in life. And as they filled out the adoption paperwork, the Lord filled her womb. And beyond the doctor's expectations, there, there was supposed to be no way that she could have a baby. She gave birth several months ago to a little girl. Sometimes, yes, it's praying for what you want in adoption. She wanted a child. But don't be surprised to pray beyond your reach to. How am I having this baby, Lord? I should be health and sick and in danger, and so should the child, but it's fine. It doesn't make sense. Still, doctors don't get it. Many of us have said, well, all I can do is pray. Situations have felt hopeless in relationships, family, drama, finances, betrayal. The thought that one of your friends is beyond the reach of Jesus. But the late Billy Graham said this. I'm quoting Billy a lot tonight because he was clearly on my mind. And that's your next fill in the blank. When you come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. When we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. I say that to remind you, pray beyond your own reach and watch the Lord work. Pray beyond your own reach and watch the Lord work. 
Well, what might the Lord say to my requests? What might the Lord say to my my requests when you ask Him something? Many of you know this. It's the Christian answer. The Lord always says three things. Yes, no, and later. But I'd like to add the fourth one, and that is I got something better. And many times He does. I had another friend who also couldn't have a baby. I'm actually wearing their shirt tonight because this is one of the ways that they um, are raising money for their adoption. They prayed for a child, but the Lord would not grant them the request for a child of their own. But he quickly granted their request for a child. They couldn't afford an adoption. So they turned to their network of friends from church, and God gave them the sufficient funds to receive their baby. And I loved the story because it was supposed to be like an 8 to 12 month process. But in two weeks, they had a child in their home. The Lord works, people. God had planned. God had a plan. They prayed, and God said, I got something even better. It's awesome, and he does. And if you are a Christian, God promises that he will bring good works to completion in you. And that doesn't mean an easy life. I'm not promising that if you pray hard enough, life will be easy. But I am saying it will be a better one. It will be an adventure, I promise you that. But if you are praying through it, that we will feel close to the one who planned the journey for the adventure. I'll end with another Billy Graham quote. I put it at the end of your paper, just so you can follow along for those of you that are visual. Um, It's no fill in the blank, it's all there. We are to pray in times of adversity, lest we become faithless and unbelieving. We are to pray in times of prosperity, lest we become boastful and proud. We are to pray in times of danger, lest we become fearful and doubting. And we are to pray in times of security, lest we become self-sufficient. We are to pray. It's supposed to be a natural part of our rhythm. And may we learn how to do it well. This I pray. Amen? Let's break into transformation groups.